1: Welcome to episode 111 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Lienna. Lienna is mom. David's mom. David was only seven years old when he died tragically in an accident, and to say it turned his parents' life upside down would be a complete understatement. Lienna and her little family had moved several times, actually, living in various countries in Europe, and even as far away as South Africa. They constantly were up for an adventure and even had a long trip planned to the United States that was supposed to occur shortly after David's had his accident. As it is with all of us grieving parents, Lienna took a long time to try to grieve. She went to therapy and sought healing that way. In addition, she got a life coach. A life coach that really helped her see that a future was possible without Davids. She saw the possibility that life could be better again. After all that she learned through her own coaching experience, she decided that she really was meant to be a coach for other grieving moms. Now this took a long kind of roundabout journey, but that's where she is today. She is helping other grieving mothers especially look again towards the future to see some possibilities of happiness down the road. So if you do want to find out more of what Leanna has to offer, you can visit her website at coachleanna.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-L-I-E-N-E dot com. On that webpage, she'll give you just a little bit more information about what she does I also wanted to take a moment today to talk a little bit more just about this podcast and how you, as listeners, can help support it. So, the first thing that I would love for everyone to do is to just take a second and to go out to your podcast player. And to give me a rating, preferably a five star rating, if you think it deserves it. So if you can give me a rating and even leave some comments that really does help other people be able to find the podcast and be able to kind of get some help from the podcast, which I really hope to be able to do. If you want to help the podcast financially, which would also be awesome, you can go on Patreon.com and become a Patreon supporter through a one-time donation or through a monthly donation. Also, we are a 501c3 corporation, so you can go to my webpage, andysmom.com, and click the Donate button and be able to donate to help kind of expand the podcast and help it grow a little bit you know eventually i really would like this to grow to the point where we can even have a retreat everything has been put so much on the back burner because of covid but i would like to be able to do that i also feel like i should which one should would tell me not to should myself but that i hope to be able to change my facebook page To be more of a Facebook group, so maybe more people can kind of interact that way, because I do feel like interacting as bereaved parents with each other can be so incredibly helpful. So I know it is nice to listen to other people's stories, but to be able to interact with those people is probably even a little bit better. I know that I have seen just in these last few weeks of being a facilitator for Starlight Ministries that some of my listeners are beginning to interact with each other because there are several of you that now have joined that support group. So again, if you're interested in that, you can contact Stephanie. So her email address is stephanie at starlightmin.org and she can help you get signed up for the next group of sessions which i think is actually only going to be four weeks because it's right before christmas so that session for starlight ministries starts uh, the week of november 22nd so actually for us that would be tuesday november 23rd the 30th december 7th and december 14th so it's just a four week session and it will give us time to grow and learn. Again, this is a Christian-based organization, so you would want to be feeling comfortable with that aspect of it before you decide to join. And again, you do need to email Stephanie because she would do an intake before having you join the group. So, contacting her can be a great way to get a little more involved with Starlight Ministries and a little bit with uh, Always Andy's Mom podcast as well. So again, thank you so much for your support. One last final way to give us some monetary support would be through Amazon. So if you go to smile.amazon.com and put Always Andy's Mom as your charity of choice, then we would get a small percentage of your purchases to go towards Always Andy's Mom. So again, I really appreciate all of you listening and your emails. Those are amazing. I am starting to book into winter. So certainly if you want to be on the show, email me. If you don't want to be on the show, email me anyway. I love reading emails from people and hearing people's wonderful stories about their amazing children. So today, I just want you to enjoy Leanna and her David. <music> So thank you so much, Lienna, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast.
2: Thank you, Marcy. I'm so glad to be here.
1: Yes, I'm expanding things a bit even more. So Lienna is joining us from Moscow, where she recently moved, but she has lived all over the world. So uh, we were just going over quite a bit of that. I It kind of blows me away. I've lived in like... <laughs> I don't know, five, six different states in the U S and I thought I was, uh, pretty traveled, but nothing compared to you moving (laughs) all over the world. So.
2: Indeed. We have lived in, what it is, four countries. So Sweden, uh, UK, uh, short stint in South Africa and now Moscow.
1: Well, and you're from Latvia and you have to count Latvia, of course. Right. And Latvia. Yeah.
2: Where I'm (laughs) originally from. Yes.
1: So why don't you just start out by talking about your son, David?
2: Yes, my son, David. So I miss him so much every day still. And uh, so, yeah, uh, where to start even? He was born when we were living in Sweden. Okay. So, (laughs) and I know he was, he was such a great boy. First thing, I guess I have to say, like he actually changed me when he was born. I remember still I was taking uh, me and my husband, we were taking him home from the hospital. And suddenly I realized that uh, the world looks kind of different to me because now Mm -hmm. I'm a mom. And before that I was just, I know, a young woman uh, person and suddenly everything changed. I'm a mom now. So he did that to me and Mm -hmm. that can no one take away from me.
1: Right. That is special. That is special. That your first kid. That-
2: it is. It, it is such a special moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're suddenly your mom for the very first time and you will be forever.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. And he was uh, such a sunshine and, uh, so energetic and, uh, always yeah coming up with things and uh, i was never like kind of boring with him and he traveled with us to quite a few countries so he was born in sweden and then we moved to london with him so he grew up there started speaking proper british english in london and then we dragged him all over the world to south africa where he also spent seven months with us uh, just like immersing in the culture there and then we moved back all all three of us to latvia and that's what that that was actually also where he he died um so yeah kind of like the sad a bit, bit bit sad connotation to to going back to latvia mm-hmm. but uh i don't know it's it's just um i could talk about him i guess probably for days and uh yeah, remembering all the things we, we, we all the laughs and all the things we did together.
1: Do you wanna share a fun memory that you have? Can you think of something?
2: <laughs> uh, I still remember we were in South Africa and um, and he, feels, he, he fell asleep in the car and we were just driving, uh, I was in Cape Town to basically to the furthest point South. And he was sleeping and we were driving on this country small road and suddenly we were uh, surrounded by ostriches. And, oh uh, and, and, and he's like this, this, this two-year-old, like a, a toddler. And suddenly he opens his eyes and he sees this, 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 this ostrich looking inside the car, looking at him. And he goes, oh, birdie. <laughs> Such a funny moment.
1: Oh, that is funny. Wow. So what why don't you talk about now what happened with Davids?
2: So he he was killed in a tragic accident. Actually, it wasn't supposed to be like this. We went for a walk in a park and he took his bike with him. It was one of the first sunny spring. Sunday, Sunday mornings, and we just went to a park. And uh, how old is he? He was seven at that time. Mm -hmm. And so he was on his bike. And uh, there was this 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 recreational tourist, like a train car that takes tourists around the park. And, uh, and he was hit by this, 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 this tourist train car in the park on his bike and that and that thing that that tourist thing he wasn't even that thing that wasn't supposed to be there in the park it was illegally there and it was a place where you take kids Mm -hmm. for a walk for them to learn to bike and and that this this tragic thing happened and actually i wasn't there when it happened i just left like five minutes before that and i left him with my husband i went home to to start lunch and uh and I left both of them there. And then this thing happened. And I I, I got a call uh, later on from my husband saying that I uh, come to the hospital. Uh, but, but, but yeah, he died instantly. And then there was nothing anyone could do to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was uh, seven years ago.
1: Wow. So seven years with him and now seven years since.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he was my only son at that time. So it was... Uh, not only I lost him, I I, I I lost everything. I lost my identity. I lost my whole life, the whole way of living. It was mm-hmm. just all taken away, like in this one moment. Mm-hmm.
1: And it just changes everything. I think you lose an innocence too about you, right? You just, you don't And you never look at anything the same again after that moment, because everything feels like it could just fall apart and tragedy could happen. And it certainly never had been like that before. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like the world suddenly seems like this, this this super unsafe place. Mm -hmm. You, 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 of course, you knew that things, things were always happening. Like we live in a mortal world. But suddenly, like when something like that happens close to you, you just like feel with your skin that things can happen any minute. And this mm-hmm. is not a safe place to be anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk about a little bit that time afterwards and you and your husband and and that grief journey a little.
2: Um, so we were very lucky. Uh, we had friends helping us immensely. They just basically carried us uh, through the worst and... Um, After after like, I think three weeks or so, we we went away together with my husband. We actually went to States uh, because we already had planned before that uh, to go with our son to Houston, Mm -hmm. to NASA, And uh, so we did that with our husband, just two of us. And just to get away from the country, from everything, just we we, we took away, uh, took some time off and uh, we went away and uh, just spent like, I think, three weeks in States just traveling like slowly through towns and villages and uh, just just you know, learning to live, learning to breathe. Because I realized right away that for me to survive this, I had something inside me pushing me forward. I wasn't really kind of ready to give up. Mm-hmm. It was painful. My heart was broken. You know the pain. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's even indescribable. But for some reason, still, I wasn't ready to give up. I wanted to, to, to still live.
1: Well, that's great. That, I mean, that's not always the case, right? Not everyone is feeling that way. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I also knew that I, I would like to try to have more children because we already had tried before that, mm-hmm. but we were not blessed with another child while Davids was still alive. But then we, we also decided that we want to try to have more children. Mm-hmm. And that we are not also ready to give up being parents, right? Because yeah, having children around it's such a it's such a joy, it's such a blessing. And and I was um, I was I think 37 at that time when it happened, and uh, and I really wasn't ready to yeah to stop living to stop living as a mom and uh, right and so and I realized that for me to do that I need to move. So that's why also we went uh, away. Uh, We tried to just get out of the bed every morning, just do something. Mm -hmm. It didn't bring us joy like doing stuff we did. But we just realized that we need to be moving. We can't stay in bed. We can't stay idle. In order to survive, we need to just keep sanity. I, I, I also started running just to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. just to do something for myself. I couldn't run because the first couple of weeks I wasn't eating or anything. So my body was really weak, but I just started walking, running, walking, running because I realized I need to do something.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Because if I stop, then that's going to be it.
1: I know. I totally get that. I think about that myself when I felt like I just had to keep getting up and keep doing things because I was just afraid that if I didn't, I would just never get up again. And I would just never live again. So some things I just kind of kept doing, even though I really didn't know why. Right. It mm-hmm. just didn't even make a lot of sense to keep doing it. But I felt like, well, I have to I have to keep doing it. And then everyone tells you how strong you're being and you're like, no, I'm not being strong. I just That's there's nothing else to do. Right. You just have to do something. And that was mm-hmm. such a struggle for me. I I know there were people I, I was, went to a support group very, very early on. And if some people thought that was kind of strange, but in, I just needed to do something. And I just felt like, well, that's the something I can do and it's supposed to be helpful. So I guess maybe I will. And that's probably a little bit with you with running. Like, well, I've got to do something and running, mm-hmm. I guess, is good for me. So I guess I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And also, I, I remember I, I took a decision right away that I'm not going to drink a drop of alcohol. Because I knew if I start, there will be no reason to stop. So also, I, I I don't know how I took that decision at that time, but for some reason, some I I just decided that moment that okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch wine or anything like that because I'm not gonna stop. And I actually could stay by my decision, which is so amazing now looking back because I was so broken. But to do such a sane thing, like I don't know where did it come from, but. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it is important and a good thing to do to try to make some a few little promises to yourself um, on things that you will just really work on and work on trying to do. I think that was really smart to do, even though I know you didn't feel like it was smart at the time or make a conscious decision like this is the smart thing to do. But it's just, kind of what you have to do I think and what's helpful what's helpful to do is to make a few little decisions just a day at a time saying well I will do this now and this is an easy thing for me to do an easy decision like I'm going to get up out of bed and I'm going to run it doesn't seem like a big decision but it really is it is Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
2: yeah now looking back I realize it is a big
1: yeah 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 and so over these past years, I mean, a lot has changed for you. And I just think about what you're doing now and how your life has changed. And why don't you go through a little bit of that story? Because I know now you have other kids and, and you work a lot on grief and helping grieving people. So I think just talk about that transition and what that, how that happened over time.
2: So yeah, let's start with, uh, with my two boys. I have two boys now. Mm -hmm. And because as i mentioned we decided that we want to have more children and we hadn't succeeded to have our biological children at that time and we've been trying like we had been trying already for a long time so we decided that we're gonna adopt so we like we lost david's in 2014 so beginning of 2015 we actually submitted all the paperwork to to get like uh we, we wanted to adopt locally in Latvia. and there is this queue, like and you we started basically the whole process for the adoption. Mm-hmm. We decided, okay, whatever, like we 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 want to have more children, we can't have our biological, yeah we'll do that. And then like, as, as it happens, I, I got pregnant right after we submitted <laughs> the paperwork.
1: Of course you did. Of course you of did. Course I did. Yes. And
2: so, so many uh, times <laughs> that happens.
1: It's crazy. I, I feel like it's like the stress goes down or something like, okay, we're going to get a baby through adoption and then boop, pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that
2: happened. And uh, so yeah, in November, 2015, our son, Hendrix was born. And, uh and then He was, Hendrix was almost three when Francis joined our family Mm -hmm. and uh, they are actually now, it's funny. It's funny story. Actually, they both are five because Francis, he has his birthday actually today Mm -hmm. and uh, they have 11 months difference in between. So once a year uh, in October 5th, Francis catches Hendrix and they both are five until the November 12th when Hendrix is going to turn six. (laughs) very good so i have twins at the moment
1: <laughs> so <laughs> oh that's so funny.
2: and uh yeah so so francis joined our family he was uh, almost two henriksen was almost three and uh, yeah we have two boys and uh, and i'm so thankful for this miracle that we have these two 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 boys and and of course it's not been easy, especially right. uh, when I was uh, pregnant with Hendrix and I found out that I'm going to have another boy. I was like, I so wanted to have a girl, just like, just to have a different gender Yes, from, from David's, because I didn't want kind of to have this deja vu that I uh, had one son and then now I have another one. And funnily enough, they are so much alike. So are they, okay. they are. They're so much like in the character and also how they look. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and actually now when, when, when Hendrix is, 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 is um, as, uh, heading towards the age of seven, I, I, I sometimes get anxious, like mm-hmm. just this threshold it's, it's yeah. of course, it's when my head just crossing the threshold of seven. So, mm-hmm. and that's why also, I guess I, I started, um, coaching other moms because I needed so much for me because there are all these issues. How do you parent it? Use other kids after a child loss. How do you not put them, your own anxiety on them? How do you let them be? Fr-
1: oh, I totally understand that. Because
2: I, I, if I could, I would just wrap them in pillows and just keep them close to me all the time. Because of course I'm so afraid.
1: Yeah, Peter. Peter's fifteenth birthday was really hard because Andy never had his fifteenth birthday, and you know, Peter just this last week got his driver's permit and that's so hard cuz now I'm putting him in control of driving the thing that killed killed his brother and you know and my boys looked a lot alike too and so people tell me what a blessing that will be because I'll know what Andy would have looked like and I guess oh and I guess you will be able to see that same thing and kind of know what David's would have looked like as as yeah. Henrik's grows up but it's it's hard to know. Um I mean in some ways it's a definitely a blessing, but in other ways it's a little painful reminder too, isn't it?
2: It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 Because I look at David's peers now and they all are fourteen and they're like teenagers now. And I'm like, I can't imagine David's at that age.
1: Right. Right. Annie yeah. should be a senior in high school and and um yeah, so it's hard. I don't I don't mm-hmm. want to see Many of his friends, right? I just, I just don't. It's just too painful to see them so mm, grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you said you were talking about that, how that kind of started making you think about coaching a little bit.
2: So I guess yeah, becoming a mom to Hendrix, and uh, and waiting for Francis, so uh, meant that I, I I still wanted to 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 work on me because I I, I wasn't. I was functioning, but I wasn't really healed. And right. not that you can ever be. So I was in therapy. Uh, I started therapy after we got back from our trip. So I had been in therapy like for two or three years. And it had helped me a lot, but I was looking, okay, what is more else? What is else out there? And step by step, I found coaching. Because what I like about coaching is that you focus on the future You don't don't dwell so much in the past. It it was amazing kind of when I realized that so much of the pain I was experiencing, I guess, on a daily basis, which was not related to the basic like grief or sadness, but there was an additional layer of pain that I was causing myself. Mm -hmm. And when I learned about coaching and when Mm -hmm. I got coached and started learning and to become coach myself, I realized that there is actually a huge layer of suffering that I can't remove from my life.
1: Okay, mm-hmm.
2: And that was so liberating. Of course, I'll, I'll always grieve. I'll always have sadness about Davids. And uh, and I, I don't want to get rid of those emotions. I want them to be part of me. But then, like, sometimes there is a necessary guilt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is unnecessary fear, mm-hmm. uh, anxiety, and those things I don't want in my life because they are not helping me. They are not helping me to be a good mom to my, my other two boys now. They are not helping me to, to form a relationship with my husband and, uh, and just living.
1: And they can just block you, right? I've, I've talked a lot recently with even teens who have anxiety. And I, I've said, you know, right now that anxiety is just blocking your path forward and blocking your ability to be able to live. And it's not like that anxiety is not always going to be a part of you because it, it is. I mean, if you have a little bit of an anxious personality, that that is part of it. But but you want your anxiety to be able to kind of be with you and be beside you, but not blocking the way. So, mm-hmm. if I mean, all of those fears, we're not going to be able to get rid of all of that. Right. Once you've experienced that kind of tragedy, those little bits of fear are going to be in there, but you just don't want them blocking your way forward. They can they can be with you. And and even sneak out every now and again, and have that be okay, because I don't I don't feel like I want to put so much pressure on moms and dads that you have to get rid of all of that, because there in some way you can't you can't get rid of it mm-hmm. all, but if you can be able to have it just smaller amounts of you kind of with you and not blocking you, I think there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I like how you are, yeah, how you are explaining it because also like, it's just matter sometimes of hearing them in your head and not necessarily believing them. Right. Just like, kind of like giving like, also the airtime to other thoughts that right. it might also not happen.
1: Right. Right. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. I like that.
2: Yeah. 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 Because y- you always have them. That's, right. that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but knowing that they're not necessarily true. That's such a liberty. Mm
1: -hmm. And being able to recognize them and and even recognize this is a thought, this is a feeling that I have, this is not really rational. We can just put it away, right? You Mm -hmm. can address Mm -hmm. it and deal with it and say, that's not something I should be kind of worrying about right now, but I'm going to acknowledge that you're there. I'm gonna acknowledge that. Mm,
2: there. Mm, mm, mm. So yeah. So,
1: how did the coaching start for you? How did you like first get coached?
2: I I, I started. Uh, I guess I started listening to listening to coaches podcasts. Okay. With the free stuff, and I liked what I heard, and then I joined group coaching program. Okay. It's called Life Coaching Scholars. Okay so basically like a group coaching program and then within that program you could also get individual sessions okay and that's how I started and then step by step I thought that actually that's something I would also like to do because um, I I, I, originally I I am I am a lawyer by by training and uh, but uh, given that we've been moving all around the world i kind of uh set the law aside because law is not such an easy profession to be moving around with because every country has their own law it's their own laws and stuff so you can't really like jump from place yeah. to place and still be a lawyer so i had put that aside and uh and i was doing like other things but i was always looking for for something that would fulfill me and when i started realizing what coaches do and how they work. And uh, I thought that I got this feeling that it could be something for me. And I still remember uh, we were, uh, it was New Year's and uh, we were sitting with my husband and uh, just celebrating New Year's Eve and, uh, and talking about the previous year and having plans for the next year. And I told him that I have this nudge that uh, I would love to become a coach, but uh, the program is very, very expensive. And I don't know if it's for me, and he said, but you'll be amazing coach. <laughs> You've been always coaching people like unofficially and uh, like friends and family. And uh, that, that, that sounds really like you. And so he really encouraged me. And then I signed up for the coach program when we got home. And in March, I started my coach training. And, and, and it was really amazing because also throughout the coach training, you of course, you, you work a lot on yourself. Mm-hmm. That was amazing, and also I, I started coaching others, and uh, I started realizing how to do it. and uh, And it's such a rush when I get to coach someone. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I finished, actually, I, I didn't start uh, coaching um, moms after child loss right away. I, I actually got scared. I have to admit, <laughs> when uh, when I was in the training, I was uh, I was uh, I was thinking that I want to do that. I want to coach. Moms and help them with 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 their lives after the childless but then I got scared when I finished my training I thought that can I do it, maybe it's going to be too difficult for me Mm -hmm. and. uh, And I actually started working with lawyers first I worked uh, with lawyers for I think almost two years. And, uh, but all this time I, I still had this nudge that, that, I'm not doing the right thing. I need to go back. I need to go back. So actually I pivoted my, my, my whole like, um, practice and, uh, now, now I'm doing what I, I think what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it feels uh, so much better
0: mm-hmm. when,
2: um, I'm doing the right thing and it's not too difficult and it's not dark. It doesn't have to be because yes grief can be heavy and and then and, and, and there is a lot of sadness, but then also we all have other issues. We we, we can always, we always coach on parenting. We always coach also on relationships. We, we coach on so many things because child loss is just one part of you, but there are all these other parts of your life that are connected and uh, it just leads to so many interesting, things to, to help with. And uh, so it's, 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 it's really not difficult and not dark. And, uh, and I, I, I really love it. And um, it's, 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 it's great yeah. to be helping.
1: Well, I think that that's definitely true. I know people sometimes think that I'm kind of crazy and that, you know, on my days off from practicing pediatrics, I talk to bereaved parents, like, that just seems kind of weird. Isn't that really sad? Like, not really, actually. I mean, I certainly cry. I always cry. but it it overall is very healing to be able to do that. And it's very rewarding, I think, to help people share their stories. And I mean, just invariably, when after people share their story, they'll always write an email back to me saying, I'm so glad I did that. I feel so much lighter that it was just really wonderful to be able to share my story with someone else. And so I think it's it is a nice thing to do. It's really very similar in some ways. And I think about friendships that I've developed and how I w- I certainly don't have a coaching relationship with anyone, but I think about you know even starting at that support group and my good friend Stephanie who has been on the show a number of times and is now program director for Starlight Ministries she is 13 months further along in her grief journey than me and I constantly would whenever I was going through something I the thoughts would come to my head where was Stephanie's been through this Stephanie's done this and Stephanie's still getting up and still going forward. And so I think it's really helpful when you have someone who has been in your shoes as a little bit of a guide that way. Right. So mm-hmm. I know I turn to her and just knowing that she has been there. And I think other bereaved moms seeing you and what you can do and how you are still living seven years later, it's very inspiring and it gives people hope.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it does yeah 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 because in the very beginning it just seems that there is no hope right, right. so and then seeing someone seven years in the journey four years in the journey it mm-hmm. it really is a yeah 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 uh,
1: I mean it just changes your outlook and you think well maybe maybe, maybe. I can maybe, maybe I, can. I can yeah Right. Because it's it's hard to know at the beginning if it really is. And I still have will have these days where I'm like, really, is this really my life now? Because this just doesn't seem like it should be my life. So Mm. anyway, it's just can be very, very helpful. And so I'm sure that is helpful. You know, I've talked to moms who say I don't even want to see a therapist if they have if they're not a bereaved mom. if They're not a bereaved parent because they feel like they don't understand now i'm not saying yeah. that at all and my therapist is not a bereaved mom and i thought she was still amazing um but i do understand people feeling that way
2: yeah yeah it's like you can be expert you can help with grief and then you can be qualified expert but you actually have felt it all and uh and you really are coming from a place i can say that i understand what you're going through mm-hmm and, and sometimes we just need an expert and sometimes we need someone to really understand how it really feels and uh, and I think yeah it's
1: good I, I mean they are definitely different roles for sure a therapist yeah. is yeah. a different role than a coach um hundred percent certainly I think like I had a certain amount of post-traumatic stress from the accident and being in the accident and seeing it, all of that. And, and that's something that I really did need a therapist to be able to help me work through. And I don't think someone like a coach is, is as good at something like that. But the other things, like you said, the difference is that looking forward, right? And having someone to kind of walk forward with, um, not as much about the past as about how do I live this way now? Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: And 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 I would never try to do a therapist's job. So I guess if I if I if I sometimes have the notion that the client could be best helped by a therapist, I would always recommend to mm-hmm. to to just to seek therapy because there are some issues that are best dealt with a qualified therapist for sure. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah
1: so what are some of the kinds of things that you feel like you've been able to help your, with your clients the biggest that
2: comes to my mind is guilt mm-hmm. because i think every mom has some degree of guilt mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> and sometimes it's about the accident or like that the, 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 the death itself or sometimes it's just about the things we do sometimes as moms and uh we we are not always perfect right we 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 are just humans and uh, and uh and when we lose our child there is such a huge amount of guilt both looking back at uh, how you were as a mom and also going forward mm-hmm. is it okay to feel fine is it okay to laugh is it okay to want more children is it too soon is it too late uh, should i be So, so we, we, we constantly feel guilty about something. Mm
1: -hmm. It's funny. We were just talking about that in our last support group that I'm kind of facilitating uh, through Starlight. We're just talking about last week. And I had said, you know, as a mom, you start to feel guilty from the very beginning. I mean, the first time you leave your child with a babysitter, you feel guilty. The first time you know, they're crying and crying and you can't figure out what's wrong. And you realize, oh my word, they've been in a poopy diaper for the last 45 minutes, right? You feel no. guilt, like it's it's part of being a mom. It's, you know, that moment that David's changed you to a mom, which was such a beautiful moment It also introduced the mom guilt, which started probably about 15 minutes (laughs) later, right? It just becomes such a part of you. So when your child dies, that just goes a hundredfold suddenly because- It's it's always a big joke almost that people are like, well, you know, at least he's still alive. At least I kept him alive. Right. When you're making mistakes and screwing up as a mom. And then so then for us that lost our children, then what do you think? Well, I couldn't even do that. Right. The base thing that you're supposed to be able to do is keep your child alive. And it doesn't even matter how they died. Absolutely. It makes no difference at all. If it was a prolonged illness, if it was a quick illness, if it was an accident, whatever, you are going to be able to find some way to guilt yourself. I shouldn't have left him. I should have turned around. I should have noticed that one day when he was maybe limping a little bit and I thought he just twisted his ankle. Right. Though all of those Mm. things just go. So. You are 100% right. I'm sure that is the number one thing that you deal with because it's, it's like, it's just there. That's what you have in you. So to yeah. ah, kind of battle that.
2: <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is definitely number one thing. And, and, and funnily enough, you still like do all the things like to your other children that you are feeling now. <laughs> about your lost child. so it's it's like it's never ending story basically and there is so much you can help yeah, yeah.
1: So, <laughs> so what are some bits of advice that you give to kind of kind of help you know fight those guilt thoughts when people have them?
2: So I guess one important uh, kind of thought or realization is that uh, we, we, we we always do our best. yes. And uh, of course like looking back back, uh, with hindsight, we, we see how we could have done things differently, um, done sooner or differently or something else. But at the given moment, you're always doing your best.
1: Right. With the information you had at the, the time, that was the best yeah, decision yeah, you could yeah, make. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. And even if you like screamed at your child, anyway, you did your best. Right. You screamed for some reason, you were tired, something was going on you did your best at that moment. Mm -hmm. So, and, and just like beating yourself up for this, it's, it's, it's not helping. It's not helping at all. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And uh, so another thing that I I teach my moms, it is the self-compassion.
1: Okay. Yeah. You
2: have to be self, self self-compassion and take care of you because no one else can do it as good as you can do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing for you. Be self-compassionate.
1: Mm-hmm. and that can be hard and self-care
2: and self-care
1: <laughs> that can be really really hard it i is. think mm-hmm.
2: it is it is hard and also it's it's both it's hard and and and, and it, it shouldn't be hard right right it's just shouldn't giving be. yourself slack
1: mm-hmm.
2: like okay if you give yourself slack i did my best and uh, just sometimes like just <laughs> hug yourself give yourself
1: a little hug yeah okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay yeah it's my last support group too i'm going to mention this because somebody had this great idea so so one of the suggestions is when you're trying to get through some of these feelings of guilt and regret are perhaps writing a letter to your child um but that can be really hard and so we talked about how difficult it can be because i said i did that and my my and I've got several entries in a journal, and they're all written to Andy. And it is me saying I'm sorry so many times. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It just kept saying I'm sorry again and again, even though I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, because I don't have a real rational reason to be sorry. But yet I am. And that's just all I kept thinking over and over and so this mom was kind of given I think an assignment by the therapist to write a letter and she came back and she said I couldn't I couldn't do it and this therapist suggested that she instead write a letter from her son to her so she wrote wrote it then from his perspective so instead of it being I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry it was Mom, I love you so much. I love when you, I mean, and it was just going on about all of these things and like you're the best cook ever and you're all of that. And I, so I, I mentioned that because of your self-care issue, because I think when you flip it like that and you think now about, let me put myself in my child's shoes for a second and think about what my child would be telling me and what would Andy be telling me what would David's be telling you David's would be telling you Mm -hmm. I love you mom I love going to the park with you I love it that you went home to make me lunch so I wouldn't have to be hungry when I got back I right those Mm -hmm. are the things Mm -hmm. that he would have said to you you know and and so instead of you being like why did I leave shouldn't have left should have been mm-hmm. there have a- and, <sighs> and instead it's flipped back the other way and now it's more compassionate to yourself right if you do it from mm-hmm. his perspective so I just thought that was kind of a beautiful piece of advice um, that I just wanted to kind of start thinking about more I have no idea who that therapist is but wow like that was really yeah, profound.
2: kudos healing. kudos to that therapist kudos that's to amazing that therapist. advice but yeah. it is
1: amazing and if you do start thinking about it that way I think it's going to be easier to take care of yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I remember this. this I I also was suggested to write this letter, mm-hmm. and I also wrote the letter and I sobbed my my soul out writing it. So it was it was the, probably the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Just writing this letter because you want to say sorry for all the things and and it wasn't really helping me at that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh I guess yeah, just
1: not just a letter you know, can't we're, be we're, a great thing, it can be a great thing both ways, but I do like to think about it in both ways. And I love the idea of writing it from your child's perspective because I just know it wouldn't be negative that way. It
2: wouldn't, it wouldn't be, be negative. I yeah, because I like knowing my son he would probably say to me mommy why are you so sad
1: right smile a bit right
2: he always is telling me just why are you so sad
1: mm-hmm.
2: smile mommy <laughs> and uh, and that's that that that's that's so much more lighter than yeah
1: then i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: which is just can be really overwhelming and like you said just not that helpful i mean i yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how many times I've said that those words, but I don't know that it makes it a lot better <laughs> when I do, unfortunately. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh. Because yeah, again, we 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 did we are doing our best as moms and we love our children and and at the same time we are just humans and we make mistakes and we are not perfect and, and we'll never be.
0: Yeah.
1: No. Nope. But we do and, have these uh, expectations that somehow we should be perfect and we should be able to do everything right. But we just can't. No one can. No one can. And I, I think it's easier to have grace for other people. I, I do. I know some people don't. Some people have a lot of trouble giving grace to other people, too, when they're, when they're making mistakes. But for me, I feel like it's easier to give them grace than to give myself grace. I'm much, much more hard on myself than I am on other people.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely like that as well I guess I am so harsh sometimes to myself and then it's so much easier to give others like than to me because I guess I have so high expectations regarding myself Mm -hmm. I should know better I should do better Mm -hmm.
1: and uh, and sometimes I don't do better (laughs) sometimes you don't and I go back to what I we've said on the podcast many times, my, my guest Gwen that comes on often is don't should yourself. You don't should yourself all the time. Yeah. You'd have I'm to agree. take the I'm should, should right. word out of your vocabulary. But yeah, I do find myself using it. Although, whenever I start to should myself, I think... Don't do that, so at least it's in my <laughs> mind knowing that it's, it's a good. bad thing. So even though I still do it sometimes, at least I have recognized that that's not healthy or good for me to should myself. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the
2: first step awareness,
1: right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that is the first step. You are right. So, you are continuing, so you've now moved to Moscow.
2: I've moved to Moscow but uh, i'm gonna continue working with moms helping them i guess it's uh, it's in that sense the move is easy for me because i'm still doing the same because my 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 office is where my laptop is and i can just move around the world and continue doing the same mm-hmm. which is
1: great do you work with moms from all over then
2: yes and funnily like uh, many of my clients are in the states and uh and yeah some of them are in europe and uh, and uh i barely have any clients in in my own country so it's yeah uh, it's uh, and i and i love that and i love that also because it made me realize that uh, we think that uh, we live so much far apart and we are so different but then when you start talking to people. We have so many similarities. Uh, Mm -hmm. We all are humans. And uh, I love that. It's so amazing how actually close we are. Mm -hmm. And how you can,
1: yeah, there's so much in common. And we as bereaved parents have so much in common, no matter how different our lives are on the outside. And they look so, so different. You know, there are so many commonalities that things that you can understand that, you know, somebody, my neighbor across the street really just can't because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. our lives mm-hmm. are so different mm-hmm. so well yeah. how can people get a hold of you and get in touch with you to get more information?
2: So I have my own website which is uh, coachliene.com. okay it's uh, my my complicated first name but uh, yeah I guess l i e n e
1: so that's yes l
2: i e n e coach l i e n e. com. Mm-hmm. And then I also people can find me on Instagram, under the handle life after a child loss. Life after a child loss.
1: Well, very good. And I am so glad that you're kind of turning to this now it's it probably was good that you sort of practiced with the lawyers for a little while, because I'm sure it felt a little bit easier and less vulnerable at that point in time. But overall i think this is where your heart ends up being right so
2: yeah this definitely is where my heart is and uh it, i am in my right place now and i definitely feel it and i chickened out but uh i'm here now and uh, i'm really really feeling the rewards of doing it
1: well and i think too you know obviously you felt so helped by it earlier on when you were going through your healing that it's it's nice that you can feel like you can pay that forward now right yeah you can pay it forward and help other people as people have helped you so
0: Mm -hmm. And that's,
1: that's just what we all want to do. We all want to help pay it forward. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Do you have any other little piece of uh, wisdom that you want to kind of end with before we close?
2: I have so much compassion for all the moms that are on this journey. And, uh, and we are members of this club. We never wanted to belong to. And, uh, but it's, it is possible to. To kind of breathe again at some point, and it is possible to smile again, and it is possible to to live a good life, even after this unimaginable thing happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is possible. So if uh, if that is can be encouraging for someone that's just in the beginning of the journey, I'm 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 hoping it can help, just to give this shred of hope. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing when you are in the initial darkness. So just just have to, some
1: shred of hope. That, uh, that it's not so, always it's going well. to feel this bad. It's not like you're going to get over it, you know. But it's not always, always going to be this bad. It's not always going to be this heavy. And I love that mm-hmm. phrase that you used. It is possible. It is possible. It is possible. Because I think that is something that, is good to be able to keep kind of telling yourself again and again and again. When it feels like it's impossible, it's not. It is possible. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually it is possible. At some point, yeah. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really enjoyed talking to you and I wish you luck now with your new move to Moscow that things will just continue to grow for you. Yeah,
2: thank you so much. I also enjoyed so much talking to you. So yeah, thank you for everything.
0: Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage andysmom.com for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.